Welcome to the Pluribus Podcast. My name is the founder of Pluribus, the crowdfunded insurance protocol that reduces the damage of getting canceled. We are here to talk about all things cancellation and ways to fight back against it in the network page. Most importantly, we want to provide you with the tools necessary to not only escape the constraints of cancel culture, but to provide a positive vision for yourself and your network moving forward. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Today we have Josh Lakatch. He's the uh, host of the Wrong Opinion podcast. Uh, so, welcome, Josh. It's great to have you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, as as the introduction says, um, we are all talking about all things cancellation. Um, the pluribus product is uh, a form of cancellation insurance, and so we just like to have guests that come on. Um, and we try to prioritize guests that who have actually been canceled in some way. Um, and we like to have them tell their story. So I guess the way we'll start out is, um, what is your cancellation story? I understand that you got kicked off of Patreon. Um, can you go into as much detail as you want? Like, yeah. how did that happen? And, and what kind of, what was the timeline? Yeah, so I was on Patreon for two years and I, I grew my audience to close to 800 patrons and I was doing pretty well. I was doing like, because the prices were lower at the time, I was doing like $4,000 a month, which was still pretty healthy. Like that's a still, that's a, a pretty good income. Um, and I never got a strike, nothing. I never got a complaint. Everything was behind a paywall. So it's not like, outsiders can really peek in unless they were paying for it. So uh, it was people who were specifically seeking me out. Uh, and that's, I guess, why I never had any complaints. Um, Vice Magazine one time said that I had a, a white supremacist podcast or something, which is complete idiocy. But um, they didn't even name the podcast, you know, or no, they didn't name me. So that's like the most attention I really got from the outside. But a little before the Patreon ban, I was banned off of Vimeo, which I was using just to host my videos because you just all you need to do is upload it on Vimeo and then and then copy and paste the link onto Patreon and then you can watch it from there. And it was just a great uh, a combination of platforms. And and uh, the the sad thing is is that when I did get banned from, which I'll get to why in a second. I'll, uh, when I got banned from from Patreon, you know, Tim Pool said of me. He said, well, he shouldn't have been on Patreon to begin with. And uh, that's kind of dumb. You're on YouTube, dude. You know, you have to use the best tools available. And Patreon is a good platform. Objectively, it's a good platform. Very simple. Uh, Vimeo, great platform. Very simple. Vimeo is a tool. It's not necessarily a platform. No one uses it like they would social media. So that one was actually very odd that I got banned from that one. Um, And every single video on there was private. So that was I, I I mean when people target you they really target you and that one was odd because it's not social media like I understand I, I don't agree with it but I understand th- that these companies have their policies um you know because it's a public thing and 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 all that but Vimeo was completely private and I was paying them $600 a year so uh y- you'd think that a company would want to operate like a company, and you'd think that they would want six hundred dollars a year from a loyal customer. But I guess the, I guess uh, you know ideology supersedes everything else. It supersedes making money and business and capitalism, what have you. So I guess capitalism is dead. But um, I was on 
Infowars. So after two years of being on Patreon, I appeared on Infowars um, in March, so almost a year ago. And the moment I got back to my hotel room after appearing on Infowars as a guest, and it was going to be a one-off, you know, oh, I, I, I'm appearing on Infowars. This is a cool accomplishment. And I, the moment I got back to my hotel, I got an email from Patreon saying I've been banned for hate speech. Now I agree, I do partake in hate speech all the time. <laughs> so that was like it was like it was nothing new, you know. Uh, but it was specifically because I was on uh, Infowars. And and so it was no coincidence. And then the next day, you know, because it was news that I got banned, I went on Infowars again. Uh, I was very close to going on Alex Jones's show, but I didn't get to go on that. But then I, I was very, it was very um, serendipitous in a way that I was in the States because I live in Costa Rica right now while this was happening because I was able to then go from there and travel to, to Dallas, go on some shows on The Blaze and then uh, go to Nashville and go on uh, I'm Doing Great Podcast. And I was able to go on a bunch of other shows that um, it, that was almost my insurance policy in the sense that, you know, people do rally around you when you're under attack. And then I was able to quickly rebuild on Gumroad, which has been pretty positive since joining Gumroad. Um, and I am making now more money on there than I was ever on Patreon. So I was going to ask you that before I jump into that. Um, so did you, so Vimeo, you were actually paying to post videos. Um, host it, to host it. So then I could use that link to post on Patreon, yeah. Um, so did Vimeo give you so it sounds like patreon said that you're suspended for hate speech and that was after you were on Infowars. did you get anything from vimeo yeah vimeo first of all vimeo um gave me initially they gave me 24 hours to download all my content because i wasn't putting it on a hard drive because i figured it's going to be impossible to get banned off vimeo and this is a great place to host you know i don't need to buy hard drives and it's all there um but th so initially they gave me 24 hours to download hundreds of hours of, of episodes. And I was like, I emailed them. I'm like, uh, okay, you banned me. Great. But uh, this is impossible. And I you need to get, let me download my property. So then they were like, okay, you have a week. Even if I had a week, I wasn't going to be able to do it because they didn't let you click download all. And then you just leave your computer open or, you know, whatever. Um, they, they only let you do it one by one to mess with you. So, um, a friend of mine who's an engineer, he created software for me, uh, right. Like within a couple hours that would, uh, go through everything and, and click download every time one was already fully downloaded. So the reason they gave me was, um, I don't think they said hate speech. I think they said something to do with the vaccine. Like I was going against science or something and also election because uh, I said the election stolen and I had episodes named like that. So it was a combination of the vaccine thing and the election thing. And I'm right on both of those. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just insert premise here. Like it doesn't matter what the actual reason is. Um, so, uh, yeah, you covered a couple of things when you talked about how you kind of recovered from, um, from doing that, how everybody railed around you, which was great. And I was watching that happen. Uh, I, on the initial thing, like the initial, like, let's say 48, 72 hour period, what was that like as far as, um, because like I said, you got the gum rope set up. Um, and I think, uh, like I, you might've set up like a get, give son go, like in a pinch, just like as a yeah. sort of stopgap method. Um, 
how long uh, before things like kind of before like your life wasn't shitty and like you were like, okay, I'm back on the upswing. This is actually kind of cool. I'm going on this show and this show things stabilized. Like what was that first kind of crisis period? Like from your perspective, I, when I got banned, uh, the first person I called was my wife. You know, we have, uh, we, at the time, a year old kid, you know, (laughs) a year old baby. And I called her and I was very calm. I said, Hey, and she goes, Hey, what's going on? How are you? And I'm like, I just got, I just got banned from Patreon. And, and because I was so calm, she was also calm. You know, I didn't panic. And, um, that's not because I was so certain that I would be fine and so certain that people would rally behind me. It's just because as a man, you have to, you know, uh, what's it called? You kind of have to, what's it called? I don't, I, the word just escaped me, but you, you have to convey that, you know, you have to convey those, that kind of stoic or somewhere close to stoic. Something yeah, that, you do. Yeah. You do have to be like, you have to be stoic and you have to be calm and cool and collected about it. And, and people feed off of that. And, and because, you know, like the other option would, would have been like me crying and making a video about uh, crying and posting and being like, Oh, I lost my Patreon, <laughs> you know? And, and I don't think that's very attractive. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to put that out there. Um, maybe if I was younger, I would have acted that way, but I didn't act that way, uh, now, you know, during this whole thing. And yeah, I mean, I didn't know if people were going to rally around me and all that because nothing to this magnitude ever happened to me. Um, but it's nice to know now that that would be the, that would be the case that there are people who actually enjoy the show and care about what I have to say and all that. Um, but you know, I thought I was small, but imagine if like this, this happened to a smaller person. And no one would really even know. It's like if a tree falls in a forest, doesn't make a noise. It does, okay? It does make a noise, and we all have to help this, the little guy. But um, I, I, uh, I was completely fine. And it, it basically, it look. I did set up a gift send go because someone told me to do that. I, I like I didn't want money for the sake of just you know because I was canceled. I was just like, hey, I got canceled. Can you resubscribe on a new platform? All of that. It took like five days to rebuild but in a month i was pretty much back to homeostasis i was back to normal which um that month kind of flew by quickly and it was more encouraging every day like the more people were subscribing to the gum road and i was like okay it's gonna be fine we're gonna be fine um but i think it, it was like really a month you know before getting back to normal and look i love gum road uh, but they do have their problems like UXY, you know, they, wise, sorry, uh, that, you know, Patreon is a better platform. But the interesting thing about Gumroad is they bought back the, Sahil, the CEO, he, they, he basically bought back the company from the, um, VCs and the employee, it's only like 10 employees. So they're not in the business of canceling anyone, you know. They're just in the business of making a good product. Now, I've uh, de- recently been DMing with the CEO of Gumroad, uh, and he doesn't have his DMs open, and he doesn't follow me. But it's just that I I had a, a technical problem with Gumroad uh, in December, and I tweeted at him, and I tweeted at Gumroad, and within thirty minutes, he he slides into my DMs, and he and then and not only that, but they fixed the the glitch that I was having within a few hours. It was absolutely crazy. So then like a few weeks ago, I had an idea because they have an affiliate program. And I had an idea and I screenshotted a tweet I wrote about that and I sent it to him and he goes, yeah, we're actually working on that. 
So he know he's he's probably lurked on my profile. He knows you know what I'm about. He's probably seen my Gumroad page, and I haven't heard any anything about like oh you he can't say even, that. He might even he might even listen to your podcast. <laughs> I mean, you don't know. honestly, you, you you really never know. You really never know. I, I mean, you know, he, he might have like a secret email address that he just you know subscribes to people's stuff. Yeah, I think that there's this um there's this ongoing problem where there's these dominant prob there's these dominant platforms that do care a lot, but you're kind of um you know reliant on them due to the network effects of you know it's not just as simple as oh we can duplicate this and then everybody can move over here. It's just if they have market presence, then they are going to have influence. And then there's a lot of alternative companies that are like you said, like in some sense, at least as far as like the UI, even like you said that um you said it was like a great guy to work with and technical issues and everything. Like the UI is like slightly shittier, or it's like, and I mean not to um and I'm not, I actually don't put Gumroad in this category, but like in other senses, like there seems to be a pattern of like slightly shittier conservative knockoff of dominant liberal platform, um right. like Patreon, which is like not and not to say that Gifts and Go is shitty, not to say that Subscribe Star is shitty, but it's just like it doesn't seem like an overall uh, like paradigm shifting strategy to me. I think it's good like while it's going on. Um, but at least, uh, yeah, while we were, you know, when we were trying to build this, we decided that we can't like at least copy what someone else is doing, but also just kind of be friendlier and just add another element of something that people weren't doing, which is adding a layer of security beforehand. Like you said, like you did, everything did end up uh, turning out all right, which um, which was really great to see in in real time. But I, but like you said, there are a lot of people out there who might not be in as favorable situation. If you can take away that anxiety and take away that uh, that you know those consequences hanging over everybody's heads, um, I think that's uh, that's all we're kind of trying to contribute with uh, with our thing here. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, um, so is your podcast um, your primary source of income? Like, was that Patreon? Um, yeah. And whatever else you did. Okay. So basically, you would consider yourself a full-time sort of podcaster, content creator type person. Oh, yeah. This is how I make my income. I have my show during the week, a few times a week on Gumroad. Uh, and then I have a live show on the weekends on Censored.TV. And... Uh, last week I released an ebook that I just wanted to see if it would sell and, and I've sold 161 copies so far. So really it's like Gumroad and Censored TV and that's how I make my money right now. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the book. Um, so that's cool. You just released a book and um, that's part of the content creation thing. Um, what What's the book about and who are you targeting and who's who's bought it? <laughs> Yeah, well, mostly men because it's so I I'm reluctant to call it a book even because it's only 40 pages. So I that's why I called it the manual. And it's like a user manual for men, you know, for how to conduct themselves in society and how to use their their bodies and how to um, you know, be real men. And it's 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 kind of like every shortcut, every it's like a shortcut to everything I've learned from from like the right wing and on bodybuilders on Twitter, you know, all their esoteric knowledge that, that I've applied to my life. And I'm like, Oh, this works. Oh, that's, that's great. I like that. You know, things that I wish I knew when I was 18. So I, you know, I'm 36 now. So, you know, I wish I knew all this like a half a lifetime ago for me. Um, and 
people seem to really like it. I mean, because it's really straight to the point and it's kind of funny too. And I mean, you're reading it. And if you watch my podcast, it sounds like you, it, it's like, it's like, it's, it sounds exactly like me, obviously, because I wrote it, but there's a lot of personality in there. And um, it's, it's like shit that maybe you guys already know, but like, don't masturbate, don't look at porn, weed is gay, video games are gay, uh, you know, all of that. Wait, and I what? know I, I maybe it is, it's true, dude. It's true massive waste of time and how and like how to find a woman and what type of woman you should go for and um like a, a like a little example something that i talk about on my show all the time with regard to finding women and courting them um men are under the impression nowadays especially because they don't have any masculine figures that that women like the bad boy and you have to be a dick and that's how you get a woman it's like no that's how you get a bitch and you're not going to feel very good about that so there's a reason why they don't want overly nice men. It's because that maybe projects weakness and that projects like, oh, they're going to, if I can walk all over them and they're going to test the waters to see if they can walk all over you, um, then society can and other men can and other people can and people are going to take advantage of them. So this is not someone I can start a family with. And all of those feelings are probably on the subconscious level. So women conf are confused as well and they think, oh, I need an asshole. I need, you know, some guy who's going to treat me bad. <laughs> But what in reality, like what I tell men is like, no, the, it's a combination. You need to be nice. You need to be assertive and you need to be strong in equal parts. And that's and then when you're when you, you know, conduct yourself like that, you will attract the proper female. And then another thing is, is um, and this is something that I've noticed with my life as well, because I got married pretty late, um, is that men and women really overcomplicate relationships as well and like they they've everyone's become very neurotic like oh she doesn't check all the boxes we don't like the same stuff all the time and 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 people overcomplicate it and then it, it's kind of like we need a shock to the system we need to almost go back to arranged marriages like you have you, you need to have your philosophy basically aligned your religion aligned and your uh, politics aligned in in a sense you know because all that goes into how you're going to raise your future kids. And if you can't agree on that, that's going to be, um, you know, a terrible atmosphere. And you're going to, that's what's going to cause fights. But if you're, if you're a strong, competent, assertive man, and you find a woman who you align with on those levels, uh, then everything else should go out the window and you shouldn't waste your time dating for, for years. Get married after a few months, go make babies and you're you're going to be happy and then you have a whole lifetime to really get to know each other. I don't know, so it's like a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I imagine that a book like that um you know, speaking of trying to find platforms that will host your content, um it's probably not very easy to find any publishers or traditional publishers that would want to look at your book and say, "Hey, this is a cool thing." Um have you considered First of all, let me ask, are you considering putting out more books or manuals? Yeah. yeah. Um, and are you considering working with publishers? And is that something that's difficult to find someone who says, I want to be your publisher? <laughs> I, you know, maybe eventually, because if people do continue to buy, it might be a night, it might be nice to have like a hard copy of like all the books into one or something like that. But that would be a vanity thing. I think, I'm, at least for me, I'm way past even thinking about stuff like that. 
because it, I don't think it's really viable. Like the amazing thing about Gumroad and you know selling basically selling a password protected PDF is is there's no shipping, there's no it, the, the, there's no cost of goods. Um, it's pure profit, and I don't like I. I liked that I did this because I, I tested the waters and I, and I think people are afraid to put themselves out there. Like you guys got to test the waters and you, you, you know, if it fails, okay, but you learned, you know, it doesn't matter if it failed and if it succeeds, you just open up a whole new world. Like I didn't think I was going to write anything and sell anything. I don't really consider myself a writer. I mean, I tweet stuff. So I figured, okay, I'll, I'll write, in the way that I, in the manner that I tweet, you know, and, and that might be interesting to people. And I'll write, um, about what I think is, is, uh, I actually dedicated it to my son because like, if I ever die, this handbook would be really good for him. (laughs) You know, it would be my presence would still be here. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I do plan on, on writing more of these and releasing them because I mean, if we're just strict, strictly talking about business, I mean, it's, it's like the perfect, uh, it's the perfect business because I don't have to pay for, I don't have to, you know, spend money on anything and, and you just sell a product. That's the air. It's like in the, it's in the ether, you know, that's it. It's interesting. Um, Ajax, uh, do you know that guy, the workout guy, Ajax, Alexander Cortez, you know, whatever. Yeah. He, he, that dude makes millions of dollars a year on Gumroad selling, uh, workout courses and, and, diet stuff and um you know it's it, it it's cool to see people do that because then it makes it makes the whole business viable you know like i don't think i'll sell as much as he's selling but if i sell a fraction that's still you know a great rev- revenue stream yeah so so going back to so you you are actually an expat you actually don't live in the US um so it sounds like at the time it was easy for you or you'd already planned a trip to go and meet some people back in the States um, and go on the blaze and um, go on to different shows. Um, how easy is So let's say this happened again, right? Um, and you don't have access to people or you're an expat. Like how easy was it for you to actually find people who could rally around and is you know, did you already have a huge Twitter presence that you were able to leverage or like how, how was it, you know, I, yeah. I would consider you one of the success stories where, you know, obviously it was really difficult maybe for a month, like you said, but yeah. then you got a lot of people around, like how typical do you think that is and how were you able to put yourself in a position where you could get that so easily? Well, I have, I think I have like 31,000 Twitter followers now. So maybe at that time I had like 25,000. So it was still kind of significant. And, um, you know, when I got canceled, I, I tweeted it and then I texted that tweet to, you know, prominent people, you know, bigger people who are bigger than me so they could retweet it. So the story got out within hours. I mean, it was already there. Um, so I, I, you know, you, you almost have to be your own PR guy when this sort of thing happens. Um, and like, if you're, if you have a smaller audience than me, then your job is to hit up people like me to spread the word. So then it reaches to people higher than me, you know? Um, because the, the thing about the conservative side of things is that when you're under attack, um, people, 
people want to rally around you, I think, because they know that they can be next. So it's almost like an insurance policy in the sense that like, you know, we're all on the same boat and we all have to kind of protect each other. Um, It was it was great timing to get canceled while I was in the States, honestly. Uh, (laughs) But if it were to happen again, I would immediately fly back. To I'd go to Texas probably and and you know go on Infowars because I have like basically access to go whenever I want. I'd go on Infowars. I'd I'd fl- go to Dallas after that. Go to the Blaze, uh, you know, and I'd do the same thing all over again. But again, most people don't really have that, so you just have to utilize the tools that you have, and you have to try to get the attention of people bigger than you because. Um, it's almost like no man left behind. Like we're all going to talk about it if it happens. Yeah. So how often, um, how often has this happened to people around you, people you work with, people that you care about? Like, are you kind of like, I mean, obviously if you've been on interviews, you know that someone like Alex Jones has been targeted, but like, do you have any stories of people who are maybe smaller than you? Have anybody else come to you? Um, are people like in academia saying, "Hey, I'm on borrowed time because I'm saying things that are going against, um, you know, the DEI dogma"? Like, how 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 much has this experience put you in contact um, with people who maybe don't have the resources and the attention um, to bounce back as quickly? I don't. I don't like people don't really reach out to me about those things. I, I assume they try to reach out to like way bigger people you know, which that, that actually might be a mistake. Like reach out to me because, uh, I, like I literally answer every DM I get, mm. um, and uh, whether on Twitter, Instagram, Telegram, wherever I answer every single DM. Cause that's good business. It's, it's, you know, like if this is what I'm doing for a living, I have to utilize everything and I have to be at arm's length reach or whatever from, you know, anyone. And, um, I think people appreciate that they can contact me and and my my business is is uh just me there's no one that work no one works for me no one makes videos for me no one you know so um no one's really reached out to me and i don't really know of anyone but what i can tell you it's interesting because i mean not that many people do this sort of stuff for a living um so if they get banned from twitter it's not the end of the world because they could just make another account whereas if someone like you know me it's like, oh my god, I have to rebuild everything. Uh, this does affect my Twitter. Like, if I get shadow banned on Instagram, which I am, um, that affects my business. Um, but what I what I found what I find interesting with what I do is, you know, I can have family family friends or you know people close to to me who uh, they can't express themselves freely because they have normie jobs. And, and, uh, so they'll, they'll use me as like an outlet where they could just DM Mm. me or text me. Like, have you seen this? I'm like, yeah, that's from five days ago. You know, catch (laughs) up, you know, I'm plugged in. That's, I've saw that a million times since five days ago. So I think one thing that we've been curious about exploring in terms of Pluribus is at some point we want to have people who kind of a roster of people who have been through cancellation and are able to speak to the process intelligently similar to what you're talking about in terms of you wrote a book sort of on um, trying to rediscover masculinity in healthy ways, you know, we want to have people who can speak to, um, hey, if you get banned off certain platforms, or if you do content creation or any sort of artistic endeavor for a career, this is what it's like, like, 
this is what it feels like in terms of emotions, like here's what you want to try to do. Have you considered stepping into some sort of role where you get to be the person who explains like, you know, you write the brochure, here's how cancellation works. Let me be the person who can, um, you know, counsel you and coach you through something like that. Um, does that seem like a responsibility that you're interested in taking up? Uh, I think so. I, I don't think that it would hurt me to do that. And I think that I would probably give pretty good advice, you know, kind because of, like, like you said, it's like any other sort of thing in life. Um, and with what I wrote in, in the book, um, you have to, especially as a man, you have to be, you have to be very calm about things because if you panic, then you're not going to get out of it alive in the sense that you're not going to make rational decisions. Uh, like the only thing that I was really, really worried about, you know, minus like, oh, am I going to get the same amount of subscribers and all that was just rebuilding the infrastructure and re and rebuilding it in a timely manner. Cause, um, you know, if, if I, I think if I did panic, I, it would have really slowed me down because, um, mm. Something I tell people, and this you can apply it to any aspect of your life, is you might, when you have a lot of problems, you kind of cripple yourself to the point where you don't do anything to fix them because you think about every single problem and you're like, it's too much, it's too insurmountable. So I could have thought the same thing when I got canceled. I could have thought, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do that, I have to do that. I can't do this, it's too much, I can't do it. I'm 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 uh, stressing out, you know, and you have to look at it a little differently. You have to thrive off of stress. You have to. Um, that's when you're supposed to be at your best performance wise. So what you do is rather than look at like a hundred problems at once and then it's just too much and too insurmountable, you look at one problem at a time and try to do it in order and knock it out one by one, and then you find yourself in a groove. And then before you know it, it's all done or it's all part of your routine and then it's no big deal. Like you could even look at working out the same way. You could look at yourself right. in the mirror and be like, this is too much. I'm too fat or I'm too skinny fat, whatever. Uh, I can't do it because if I want to uh, look like this in the end and you're comparing yourself to someone who's been doing it for 10 years, then yeah, it's impossible. But if you wake up every morning and you you implement it to, you know, as into your routine, um, and and then you know after like a few weeks it's really ingrained as part of your routine come 6 months later you're a completely different person and you 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 can almost kind of like snap out of it for a second and be like holy shit how did i get here and it's like oh because you didn't even think about it it's a little bit perverse but it sounds like cancellation provided you and i've seen it for other people provided a lot of opportunity to build resilience you know both emotionally and spiritually but also even mm -hmm. economically this actually ties in a couple of things that I was that I was thinking about as he was explaining that. So yeah, there's uh well first of all your personal resilience and like you said that you that not so many um, men or really anybody um, necessarily like kind of faced down a firing squad and didn't blink and like called your wife with a level voice and and handled that. And then also um, it's like a bit of a coordination problem. Like I mean you have had thirty thousand or twenty thousand followers at the time that you could rely on. But other people, I mean, it's and like not to make it a completely black, white, like political thing, but um, like mostly when people experience this stuff, they're kind of stranded in enemy territory, just like an overall culture that's hostile to them. And they might not necessarily have people to immediately reach out to. 
So like, even though, um, like, I think your thing was just Patreon, like it wasn't like millions of people saying that like you're evil, like, but like when people do have that, when they have, you know, Twitter mobs coming after them, like our brains aren't wired to have thousands of people hate us at the same time. So another thing that, um, that we were thinking, like you've been canceled, your finances are fine. You don't need cancellation insurance. But another factor that we were trying to consider is let's establish that for people who do first off. And then you have a network where the coordination isn't so much a concern, where if something has, if somebody has something happen to them, they actually have kind of a roster of people going like, and it actually doesn't take much, like a couple of people going like, dude, it's okay. Don't overreact. Like, like a thousand people saying they hate you and then having four people saying, dude, this is all fake. Don't worry about it. Like, I feel like that can go a long way for people who haven't necessarily refined themselves and their character as much as you have at this time. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, what people... It is fake. The hate is mostly fake. Like, I was talking about this on my podcast uh, a few days ago. Uh, I watch hockey and it was the All-Star Game last weekend. And I don't watch that. It's for kids. But... I was looking at on Twitter and like seeing what the teams were saying or whatever. I was just because it's like the topics that that I follow, right? And then I saw the Washington Capitals. They they thanked the Florida Panthers for um, you know hosting the All Star Game, and it was just a picture of Alexander Ovechkin, their star player, with with uh, his son, who's like three or four years old, and they're both skating on the ice. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And I clicked on it, and I was just looking at the comments. Every single comment was about how evil. Ovechkin is because he's friends with Putin and he's a Russian. And then uh, there was like Ukrainian war propaganda. And it was hundreds of tweets underneath that one uh, wholesome tweet. It was just a wholesome tweet of a father and a son on on the ice, you know, skating in full gear together. And the the thing that I said was that seems to be a bot attack. It, it seems to be just complete fake accounts and bots. But even if they're not, and even if those are real people, the fact that they act like bots, I mean, it's it, it's almost humorous to me, you know, that like that shouldn't be a threat to you because it's so stupid. And and like most people who are offended about stuff, it's performative. It's not real. They're not actually offended. They just want to uh, they just want to project that to their audiences so they can be virtuous. But that's it. So when you when you start thinking about these things in that manner, then then like I I actually welcome the hate. I you know sometimes I'm like I wish I had more hate. You know it's sad I don't have more hate. Maybe I'm not doing it right, but I think it's because I'm behind a paywall. You know. Yeah, you can judge a man by the quality of his enemies. Somebody said I forgot who, but um yeah, it's funny that um the people that are so quick to accuse others of hate whenever they say that they always seem to be foaming at the mouth. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed that. It's an interesting phenomenon of just seeing, you know, Alexander Ovechkin and his son, and then a bunch of people saying that he's yeah. a hateful spreader of, and just like exhibiting anything that he's being accused of that he's clearly not doing. Yeah, I mean, these. I mean, that. I guess that's where the NPC meme comes from. I mean, you know, they all act. You can't differentiate them from bots. You know, so. It's kind of like how how ChatGPT and all of the that technology is going to replace, you know, all of BuzzFeed and 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 people are like, "Oh no, journalism is dying and it's going to be replaced by AI." And I'm just sitting back and I'm like, "This is hilarious because 
what those companies are basically saying are all of their employees who pump out all of that content are no better than uh, uh, very new technology that has not been perfected yet. And you're basically admitting all of these people are NPCs. Yeah. Higher than my opinion of them, but still good to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they specialize in information pollution for sure. Um, one question I had too um, is, so I think one, one, of, one of the selling points of something like Pluribus is definitely removing in particular economic anxiety. You know, if you have a certain number of supporters who are willing to buy an in, into an insurance policy for you, you know, you don't have to be afraid that if and when you get canceled and more likely more and more people are getting canceled for even the more most innocuous things. Like it's really hard to not be a white supremacist these days. Like, I don't know, like there was a meme where like drinking milk is white supremacist. Anyway, um, I think you are, Rajiv, right? <laughs> I have actually been accused of being a white supremacist before. So, you know, all right. Uh, but I think there's a larger issue, which Tyler was talking about, which is, you know, there's kind of this whack-a-mole game where it's like, okay, I can get money and maybe I can go to a different platform. And maybe in cases like yours, you know, you become friends with the CEO of uh, Gumroad and that's great because, um, you know, they're not interested in canceling you. They're a small elite team. But I think at some point, right there, and, and this is mostly dead now, um, you know, there was kind of a, like the dream of liberalism, right, is like, there are actually platforms and institutions that are relatively neutral, right? So the point is not that, hey, you know, if I get canceled, I'm okay. It's like, oh, I actually can feel safe. Um, you know, being on a platform that I'm not afraid that tomorrow might, you know, close my bank account or contact mm -hmm. somebody. Do you feel like that's actually a path forward in terms of like, hey, we'll actually try to rebuild things or things like Gumroad will try to like stand for this idea, even if it's idealistic of like neutrality of, of content neutrality? Or do you kind of more feel like, yeah, that's done. <laughs> it's not coming back. Like we just have to get used to finding, you know, whatever product or ideology that you're kind of aligning with. We just have to find the friends and find the platforms that are willing to do it. Like, where do you kind of lean in that? So like, do I think something like YouTube will ever come to their senses and, and think like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this anymore? And maybe not unless Elon Musk buys it, uh, <laughs> you, you know, and I don't even think he's like, he's the biggest champion of free speech. Maybe he's trying and, you know, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done at Twitter. So it remains to be seen. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that it's in the interest of those companies, the big, big companies to ever allow that environment that existed in like 2012 ever again, because um, it, it would really put a damper on everything that has been going on politically. Uh, let's like even look at the last three years, you know, the, the pandemic, the election, um, Ukraine, every like literally everything that's been happening can really only happen in an environment of heavy censorship uh, because 
the, and they, they're also playing in that game. They're playing that game of whack-a-mole where they, they're trying to suppress like all these new uh, shows and personalities that keep popping up and it's because they keep antagonizing us. So, I mean, it really is an info war right now. I, 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 I can't imagine they ever want to operate like real companies ever again because they, their, their purpose, their existence is, is solely to be a tool for the elite right now. And the elite uh, don't want free speech to be a thing because it, it would just shut down everything that they're doing. You know, they're all, I know this sounds conspiratorial, but like it would completely um, hinder their ability to control the world. I, I, and I, I always, I, I definitely don't like going into that territory where I sound like just some <laughs> crazy conspiracy guy, but um, that's just kind of how it, it's it's been like it's they can't ever allow that again and i don't know if the answer is going to be you know truth social or rumble or any of those things because the the platforms never perform like the ones they're trying to replace hence they never do um yeah i think i think the context of my question is of course you know there's a there's a temporary like need to be like okay i'm gonna find platforms um you know, that'll help me support me while I say the bad things, the offensive things, the whatever ist or phobic things, right? But I'm curious to know, especially as somebody who has gotten canceled, like, I would think there's some sort of dream, like, hey, we can't just continually be on the back foot. You know, we can't just be hoping and praying, you know, that we can find small, friendly platforms at some point. It's like, no, we actually have to uh, wage some sort of battle against maybe people who are have a bureaucratic, have a more sensorial orientation. And so that's really where the question is coming from, is like, what role are you interested in playing and kind of saying like, okay, I've been on the defense, right? And, and you're doing great. Like, I, you're earning more money now on Gumroad than you were on Patreon. Like, I think I'm just curious, what, what when, if and when you plan to take some sort of offensive um, and how something like Pluribus might help you to accomplish that. <laughs> if you broke out of jail, would you be interested in helping other people that are currently in prison? Yeah, that'd be cool. You're running um, down the hall in a jumpsuit. It's an appealing image to people. Yeah. It, it, I mean, like, it sounds fun, you know? It sounds <laughs> fun. Uh, yeah, I would, I would love to be more of a threat, I guess. I guess that's kind of... Uh, a concise, quick, quick, concise answer to the question. Um, it's also the sort of thing like I, I, you know, people sometimes that stupid question, like, where do you see yourself in five years? You know, I, I, for some reason, I never, I never think like that, you Ooh. know? And I, and I think that yeah. that's maybe why I do well with what I do because I kind of just go with my gut, like the ebook thing. I've never written anything, but I was like, Oh, maybe I should do that. You know, and so I like I don't procrastinate, and I think this this mindset of like where do you see yourself in five years, that might kind of be tied to procrastination, maybe you know, um, and people kind of think about the future too much and not the present. And I I'm like now that I think about it, because I never think about this, because you know you you kind of brought it up, you framed the question that way. Like I never never think about the future, minus like I need to get my wife pregnant more. 
you know, we're having like we're having a baby in June and I'm thinking I need to get her. When can I get her pregnant after that? That's basically it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, very important. It's a good choice to have the one thing to think about in the future. Um, So like I have a one quick question about since I know that you're uh, you're, or at least one version of your show uh, is on uh, censor.tv. But um, for the record, I do completely agree on how you see the analysis of the purpose of YouTube and everything else and the reason why censorship exists. I kind of, the way that I kind of compared it to, it's like, um, you know how a shark can never stop moving unless it dies? Right. Like the current power structure of everything cannot stop censoring unless it dies, which is so there's some level of free speech and some level of security where if people feel just safe enough, then it kind of tips the scales over and kind of knocks the preference cascade over and then everybody, you know, can, um, you know, then finally kill the shark. But uh, I'll pivot to, I just want to make that point before asking about the um, next thing, which is, so um, comedy has kind of always informed my approach to this problem. Like, like canceling someone to me always resembled like a heckler ruining everyone else's good time, a very small mind. Everybody was having fun, but you had to stand up. You couldn't shut your mouth. So I wanted to figure out a way to make a heckler's veto veto. The entire crowd says, no, we're actually okay with everything. You can kindly leave. So um, how long do you think it'll take real comedy, which is based on, you know, rejecting uh, silly things about the consensus and telling the powers that be to go fuck themselves instead of just regurgitating what they say, um, like late night uh, comedy. Uh, how long do you think it'll take for that to reassert its dominance in the brain, in the mainstream, um, and, you know, kill the abomination that is most of mainstream comedy? It's an odd question, but. <laughs> no, it's it, that, that's something I think about too, because, you know, I, I love, I grew up going to the movies. I love movies. Um, and you know, in the early 2000s, 2010s, like there was a, there was a, there was a comedy every week, a new movie every week, you know? And, and it's funny because when you're inundated by those movies at that time, you're kind of a snob and you're like, well, that wasn't funny. But then now you rewatch any of those movies and they're all really good because, uh, none of that exists. And the, the so-called comedy, the comedy that exists now is, um, it's so it's put in, it's put under such a microscope, like when they're writing it, that, that it, 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 has the beats maybe of a comedy, but there's nothing funny in it. And, and literally the, everything that's coming out that is like that, even stand up. Like I didn't, I watched only a few clips of Louis CK's stand up the, the last special and it's not good. Um, and I think that that's something it's kind of like art. I think about the same thing about art or architecture. Like we're living in a very ugly time and humans inherently need beauty. Like we need beauty to, to survive and thrive. And our cities are ugly. Our architecture is ugly. Our art is ugly. Because right now, what's in vogue is to glamorize and glorify um, the the things that shock us. And shock value doesn't stand the test of time like beauty does. Mozart is relevant today, and he'll be relevant in 100 years. But Lady Gaga won't. I mean, there was a video of her at her concert where one of the her dancers was throwing up on her and that was all part of the show. And it's like, cool, that's going to shock us. I'm very shocked right now. Uh, but uh, that's ugly, profane, 
it's 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 laughable now but imagine will people even think about it in five years from now no because it's actually gonna get uglier in five years from now comedy is kind of in the same boat right now we need humor to survive and thrive and to cope with our current state um it's a very good coping mechanism um and maybe that's why jews are funny like you know experiencing the holocaust and then you can make fun of it like literally five or ten years after that uh it's a it's a way to cope so um i don't know if we've seen the tipping point yet but since it is inherent to human nature since it's something that we inherently need in order to be healthy i hope in our lifetimes it will come back and i same same thing with beauty i hope that people wake up from this fever dream that we're in right now and and realize that hey we need beauty we need to be surrounded by beautiful things that will stand the test of time we need to create beautiful art but you know for now i guess we'll have to do with um, a banana taped to a wall <laughs> well done one thing one thing um that we try to make a through line in the show i might shift it a little bit because um you've kind of answered it um but what we talked about, what you talked about in particular um and what we've said about pluribus is we want to encourage people to thrive in um the face of like cancel cancellations punitive canceling events um and for us, that means developing a lot of courage um Courage, for me personally, I feel like courage is the foundational virtue. Um, you can't practice any other virtues without having courage. Um, and so we like to ask people, um, you know, what do you think are the most important ways that you have developed courage and have practiced that in the face of your cancellation? I will say you kind of answer that. And like one answer you might give is, oh, go look at my book. Um, so one thing I might ask too, um, to, to add on to that is, um, who are people that you would recommend in terms of role models? Um, or who have you followed in terms of role models that have helped you to develop a sense of courage in the face of cancellation? Um, it, that's interesting. I mean, I, I guess off the top of my head, I mean, Alex Jones might be one person because we're, you know, I'm trying to emulate what he does, I guess, in a different style. Um, and the dude is a machine. He just doesn't stop. And, and he kind of like, he's at the point where it's just so crazy where he's just laughing at the opposition, you know, like you owe us a bajillion, bajillion dollars. Okay, cool. I'm still going to do my show. Um, and he is, and he's expanding. He's like expanding his business even after filing chapter 11. Um, but really there aren't that many people nowadays that are courageous um, because even if you look at the masculine figures that we're supposed to look up to, I mean, I'm not, not us cause we're already older, but like younger boys are supposed to look up to like, even in the eighties, we at least had the eighties, nineties, we at least had Arnold Schwarzenegger and you know, all these strong people, like everyone in movies were these really strong dudes. doesn't matter if they were on steroids, like they were strong, you know, and now everyone, and we didn't know their politics or anything, but now it's, it's, everyone's kind of soy. You know, like Chris Hemsworth, we're supposed to look up to him or that other guy, the guy that plays Captain America or The Rock or John Cena, like all these dudes. It's like they open their mouth because they they think we want to know about their politics and you're just ruining whatever persona you cultivated before that. Um, 
and I know that it, it might be cheap. They're all theater dorks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all every hero is a, just a theater dork who doesn't know what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and it's it's sad that that is those are the kinds of people we have to look up. We we have to look up to, and stories are what kind of bring humans together. I mean, that's why we're captivated by movies because you know our past gen the, the you know past generations were captivated by books and by, you know, plays and by all these things because stories are, they're basically, I mean, magical. They're like portals to, you know, other worlds. And, and, you know, that's why Hercules is a legend and, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, I, I understand why it's, it's, you know, people in pop culture, because that's kind of our version of that in the past. But we don't even have strong leaders anymore, you know? Like, I wish, for instance, Bolsonaro uh, took control of his army and was like, uh, you guys just stole the election in Brazil and I'm not leaving and we're going to kill all the communists, you know? Uh, but because that's what needs to be done. That was That's what was done in the past. Or, um, mm. you know, Trump. Trump didn't do that. And, and in my opinion, the election was completely stolen and it's pretty um apparent that it was and and the thing is is that the military we know the military is woke and the generals are woke and there's not much he could have really done unless he just told the citizens hey take up arms and storm the capital and you know we're taking back the country and i am the i'm the god emperor of the united states um and maybe in an alternate reality that would have happened but that would have happened in the past and there i guess like you know my answer for me, because of what I do, it's probably someone like Alex Jones, Trump to an extent, but not really, although I do like him. But, you know, we could also still look to the past and it could be people like Julius Caesar or Napoleon or Alexander the Great. There's a reason why those people are still, um, you know, talked about to this day. I think that that men especially, we need to look up to those kinds of people. Um, and it's it's kind of you know ingrained in us to need that those kinds of stories and those those courageous people uh but do they exist anymore not that not really you know like not really it's very sad uh but mm. i think that things are cyclical and i think we might see someone like that appear it could be baron trump who knows or my son <laughs> yes we yeah i think that uh I mean, the saying goes, you know, courage is in shorter supply than genius, but courage is also a resource that has a weird trait that it uh, multiplies upon observation. So the theory is it doesn't take much for it to trigger a lot more than the, than currently exists right now. But yeah, man. Yeah, I yes. mean, we, we for, th for things to change, it's like you need 5% of the population to just be like, we're waking up right now. We're, enough is enough. What people need to realize is, is um, like protests for the sake of protest. It's almost like a, it's almost like it's to tire yourself out nowadays. You know, that's kind of like what it does, but it doesn't, does it really accomplish anything? You know, um, the American Revolution was not a protest. Yeah, you can only protest and deconstruct so much until, you know, you don't actually build anything. So, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying in terms of there doesn't seem to me that many people who, at least publicly, or, you know, in terms of a shared archetype that embody courage, um, 
but in terms of Whitefield, maybe that's just like, that's the mission of our time is to find and develop and cultivate. We'll do it ourselves. <laughs> we'll do it ourselves. Sorry, not to be just like overdo, like be overly dramatic about it, but fine. I mean, I guess that's the only thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, can you remind people where they can find you and subscribe to your stuff? Yeah. So on Twitter, Josh Lakash. Uh, J-O-S-H-L-E-K-A-C-H um, Wrong Opinion on Gumroad wrongop.gumroad.com The book is there too The show is there um, And on Censored TV on Saturdays Cool Alright man, thanks so much I appreciate your time for uh, joining us Really support your stuff Thank you, thank you so much Thanks for joining us today And make sure to sign up at becomepluribus.com And follow us on Twitter At becomepluribus To stay tuned to the latest updates